Ciao, I'm Marco. Hello, my name is Eric. And we are Curious by Nature. Coming from different places and having worked in the cultural field for several years, we felt that we were missing a broader context. So we decided to study at the Erasmus University in Rotterdam. We read so many cool things. And also we wrote so many interesting papers ourselves, but we felt disconnected from the real world. Why? <laughs> why is that? I mean, why is there such a big gap between academia on one hand and the practice that we experienced on the other hand? We decided to talk with researchers themselves to find out how do they experience this bubble and how can we burst it? Let's reconnect academia with everyday life. This is Research in Reach. You have to be happy with what you're doing, especially if you are doing a PhD, because it's going to be three years of blood and tears, as we say in Italian, and little money. So. <laughs> Ciao Marco. Hello Eric. This is the first episode of our series, and it's with uh, Valeria Moria, who is a teacher at our faculty. We met her this year in our pre-masters of cultural economics and entrepreneurship. And she taught us three classes, actually. Um, yeah, don't go into depth. No, She's just I will our, not. our teacher. Yeah, she's just our teacher. But she's also a PhD student. Her PhD research is called Social Life in Public Space as a Common, the Case of Public Art. So it's about public space and how we use that. And one of the theories Valeria uses is that of the commons. In order to prepare for our conversation with Valeria, we try to understand what this theory means. And we looked at the theory of the Nobel Prize winner Eleanor Ostrom, yeah. who wrote a piece called The Tragedy of the Commons. No. No, I, I, no, 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 no. She, she kind of framed it, but it was another guy, which I don't remember who, that came up with the name of the tragedy. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that Valeria might know more than us. I hope she knows more. I'm pretty sure she, she does. We, obviously, we want to know what her research is about, but we also want to know what her life is like and how the two things are combined. So how does the research that she's doing affect her life and perhaps also the life of others as well? And maybe also how she defines herself. Hmm. I'm thinking, uh, is she a cultural economist or how does she define herself? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> I'm going to probably ask some question about her mom. Uh, I don't know where exactly. I don't know where I will lead. Why her mom? Because it's important to know about the family. You will really, I think you understand the person behind the, the family. Yeah. Well, and also, I think that the most relevant thing is that Aperol will be there. We're going to prepare Aperol for her. So we are hopefully going to have a lovely aperitif. She was kind enough to invite us at her place. And she said she has this lovely terrace in the sun. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited as well. So let's go. So how are you? How is it going? Uh, fine, fine. It's a bit hectic. So, yeah, I still have to take some days off after the defense. I when have to was admit. The 
it was like one month ago. Nice. Almost. Okay. Yeah, thanks. It was, was fun. It? it was it was excellent. The defense happened on uh, Microsoft Teams uh, in my living room. So it was yeah, it was very comfortable to wake up partially dress up and go. Uh, yeah, I was wearing sleepers. I'm actually much more decent now than during my defense. And uh, we're honored. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> Do you consider yourself an economist? Ah, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I, I'm supposed to. It's not to. a weird question, right? No, no, this is not. I, I, have, I have not a clear idea about that. <laughs> about what? About my definition. Uh, I, Maybe it's good to have one, no? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it would be good to have one. You study economics. It is. Yeah, so that's why I'm... Surprised that you're you're not comfortable with calling yourself an economist. No, but um, the thing is that at some point, what matters more, at least what mat what has mattered more for me was the object of my analysis. So I think that what will define me better is uh, what is the next step. What 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 will I do next? So it really depends on where I find another position to to. To put it simply, there was a moment when you when you thought like ah I don't like this definition of uh, of myself or at least of studying economics. I, my master's degree was already in uh, cultural economics, so before that I have already felt a bit like I didn't I didn't want to to make a change in my path because I was pursuing to to study and to or to work at that point I was confused I don't know I think we were all confused after the baby right <laughs> yeah even, every day even, yeah every day so um we're looking for answers but all you get is questions yeah, yeah. and um so what was your what were your questions after your bachelor I, I think I was a bit like uh I felt it was dry in a way economics yeah or at the same time I didn't feel that I was so good at it also, I have to admit it at some point. So then, then why did you study economics? Mm, the reason why this happened is that I wanted things to be right or wrong. You know, I wanted to, to study something that was impossible to understand rather than to only remember. Because when you have to study literature, you have to remember a lot of things. I think that now after all this training in uh, uh, studying, uh, I would do things differently, perhaps, but uh, that was my feeling after the high school. This is a personal thing. Sometimes you find that um, <clears throat> asking economic, like economically uh, relevant questions, don't really uh, fully explain your like doesn't satisfy you that much. Uh, so it is very, especially in cultural economics. Already, cultural economics is is a bit of uh, an in-between um, field of knowledge. But um, to go back to your initial question, that was, so are you an economist or not? Um, so I went for a very interdisciplinary path, uh, which is not really, uh, doesn't really pay off, uh, at least in the Italian job market, academic job market. Um, so I'm still a cultural economist so far. That's nice. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm still a cultural economist with interest in urban studies. This is, yeah. 
This is an answer. If you... I'll take it. Yeah? Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. It, yeah. Is it that hard doing a PhD? Yeah, it depends. Why is it hard? Because you're alone. Mainly you're alone and you're the only one who's doing, who really likes that thing that you're doing so much. But so I guess it also helps or it like, it doesn't help uh, to go abroad then. Yeah, to me it did really help. But then if you're talking about being alone, yeah. going to a different city by yourself, yeah. to a country that you haven't been to. Might be pretty scary, yeah. Yeah, at least it, when you're in Rome or in Italy, you... You have, have pizza. Your, <laughs> you have pizza. Yes, no, I'm not talking about company. I'm talking about um, cultural company, like intellectual uh, proximity. Really? You felt that the world... Yeah, so here you openly, you have, a, uh, um, you have chairs of cultural economics. Yeah. Uh, this is not uh, easily the case in Italy. And my Italian uh, faculty of PhD is actually within architecture and territory. So they have some economists, but they, they mainly have architects and urban planners, mainly architects. So for me, it was not easy to learn, to have a learn, uh, um, a conducive, learn, learn conducing the environment in which I could really um, see some uh, other people like me because yeah. I was somehow the only one doing my type of research, which is good, but it's also, I felt a bit lonely. So, and also it's a part of the Italian PhD program that they send you somewhere. Uh, I mean, it's good if they encourage you in doing that. So this is how I started uh, at Erasmus University. And then I really liked the environment here because there were other cultural economists, even though still I, I am more in the urban studies side of it. So it would be more economic geography, yeah. uh, but it's still, um, it was still very, very, uh, like I found here a community, you know, so intellectual proximity was possible here much more. So I learned a lot and then I stayed here. So, so you're going to stay here? I, I don't know. Huh. No, this I don't know. But uh, Because you finished just now, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, we you have to must see. have been thinking about what next. So. Academia is about studying forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love this intro. Um, so, um, when you start a PhD, then you are too old to study. You actually start uh, researching. Yeah. It's not the very same thing, but um, in a way, I really like uh, being, uh, yeah, working at university. So, um, why yeah. do you like it? Are you skeptical? No, <laughs> <laughs> a bit nauseated. Like, no, I. Um, what do you like about it? <laughs> so, first of all, you are with people who are not primarily interested in profits, but they do like what they're doing. Yeah. You can be confident to find to deal with people who like what they do, and I think this is not to be taken for granted. And you get to to teach to students. And you get a lot, but I also remember me as a student getting a lot from teachers. They, they were so impactful on my existence, then that it would be cool to be one of those for the others, you know? And also, I can imagine that if you start your PhD, that at that point you didn't have any experience teaching, right? No, I had very little experience in everything <laughs> at that point.
argue in my thesis that public space is very important for people and that it shouldn't be discarded and that actually the resourcefulness of this space is made by the contribution of people. When your mom is asking you, so what are you doing? Yeah, this is the, the more lesson. Exactly. I mean, my mom is asking me this all the time. Yeah. Uh, what are you answering? So today, it's, it's challenging, but I can say that my uh, research is about public space and the way people behave in public space and what can art in public space be, uh, how can it highlight uh, the import, what, what is actually the, impor the important uh, in public space and that this thing would be what happens in there rather than the specifics of a place, the attributes, so the physical attributes. Uh, but still, the two things are important together. It would be very difficult to go in more in depth than that. But what I do in my research in, uh, about public space is to underline the fact that it's not actually what you build that it's important, but what people can do there because they are actually what making the resource. Not just, they're not just consumers or users of the space. What do you mean with making? Um... Uh, well, Lefebvre says that space is socially produced. That means mm -hmm. that the thing is, if it really depends on the use of the space that we make. We, as users, determine also, let's say, the quality of a space. So it really depends on what we can do. And so the quality, like the fact that you might, like, yeah, let's say the quality of a space, let's say a park, then it really depends on what happens there rather than the park itself. Hmm? So, um, well, both, right? You want it to be yeah, clean, you want it to be green, exactly, you want it to be but quiet. Exactly. These are all things that involve your contribution to that. You don't smoke and, and uh, yeah. leave the cigarette butts uh, on, the, on the floor, right? Because you kind of think that either you don't want to see it tomorrow, when, when the next time that you yeah, when someone else does it to you, or because you think that maybe someone else could get affected by that, or you don't park uh, your car in a, in a messy way because you think that maybe then someone is in need to, to, to pass that street and then they cannot. So if you act in a self-interested and short-sighted way, you might end up overusing or spoiling the shared resource through collective action. For instance, in the common good that is the ocean, if we all start fishing for quick profits, we might risk not leaving anything for future generations. This is quite a sad story and long believed to be inevitable. That's why it's known as the tragedy of the commons. So let me get this straight, like an example of a tragedy of the commons, it's the dishes in the, your kitchen. It's like nobody cares and the kitchen end up being a mess. Yeah. So the thing is, you in the kitchen, you are making the commons because you're not just a user of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Unless you agree with the others yeah. to, to make an external arrangement with a cleaning lady or a cleaning man that <laughs> uh -huh. uh, it would just... Yeah, I didn't like it. So uh, then, then we can organize. We make. We can set a sort of. Uh, uh, we can. We can set some rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but still, this possibility that we have comes from the fact that we are not only using the space, the the kitchen, but we are also making the kitchen at the same time. You see, a commons ended up in a tragedy when you assume that people are uh, behave greedy or 
self-interested in, yeah. uh, but in a short, in a short-sighted way. However, what Ostrom has discovered uh, in the 90s that actually really depends on the elements of trust uh, and what we could call also social capital. And uh, based on that, then we recognize that our kitchen is actually our good, that it's our commons and that it, it's us. So what we want, since we want to use a kitchen, and not just that, but we also want to use the kitchen tomorrow or that our grandchildren want to use the kitchen, then we we are starting uh, changing our behavior. Yeah. So it is much more common that the commons actually uh, end up as a comedy rather than as a tragedy. So Eleanor Ostrom challenged the idea of the tragedy of the commons. And actually what she found was that groups are capable of avoiding the tragedy of the commons without requiring top-down regulation. People just aren't that selfish and short-sighted. So Valeria uses this theory to look at public space as a common good. Well, but what are we doing with this at the end? Well, the way my thesis concludes is that um, there is like... To, to put it simply, it's actually us that has to be responsible for mm-hmm. our actions in public space and in a way that, well, only after it's recognized as such. So it's not like, like since tomorrow without any change in the governance, this can happen. But yeah, I, I, I think people would get much more accountability on their actions, on their contribution to the commons. And this is why I use the theory of commons that is... Uh, a resource that is shared, but also produced at the same time by those who consume it. So it's like an infrastructure. And you you have more responsibilities because you are not a user that just, you know, pays and gets uh, a commodity and then whatever happens, uh, you don't care. You are, you, you are accountable for what you do, yeah? So when you act as a commoner, then you have responsibilities. You have to take care of your grandchildren's future benefits. So you don't discount them so much. So if I recall correctly, she lived in uh, Rome, Reggio Calabria, Venice, and now uh, she's in Rotterdam. Yeah, so we were wondering in which of the cities where uh, she lived, Did she actually experience this taking responsibility and accountability for public space? I think that Venice is a place where public space is more as a commons than the others. And this is certainly you have less complexity, meaning that in flows, so you don't have cars, for example. But on the other hand, you actually have more complexities compared to the other cities because you don't have streets, you have canals. You don't have cars, you have boats. But it's the way, I'm not talking, what I look at in my thesis is not these uh, fixed elements, but it's actually the way space is used. Hmm? Mm-hmm. The way I can benefit of my uh, commuting from house, my house to my job place depends quite a lot on your uh, presence in the space. Think about a cafe with the tables outside. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why do they want the tables outside? Why do people want to stay outside? It's not just to have the sun, but also, but it's also to be more like in the space, right? It's not that you want to be. You want to stay with the others. You want to uh, see the strolling, or uh, you know, you want to see this theater that is the 
the theater of the word. This is something that. Uh, yeah, and I guess they are, but they are even though if they are officially not in the public space, they are still creating benefit. the space. Yeah, yeah, they are both at the same time because yeah. it's nice to be in a square with all the like. Think about Paris. Why do you recall what what, what is your first uh, image of Paris? The Brasserie. The Brasserie, yeah? yeah. And there's what is important about it. The fact that it is a public space that you can benefit from it, even just looking at it, or yeah. if you're a, res uh, a restaurant owner, you really benefit, monetarily benefit mm -hmm. from it. But it's uh, it makes the atmosphere in a way. I have to say, I'm very biased in a very biased romantic way, the... actually. Yeah. You, because I feel like, oh my God, uh, this is. I get emotional. Like, not 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 that I cry, but it's like, look at these people. They're they're being happy in this public space, and these these things are. I really experience them. I think with more um, emphasis because it's my research, and I'm biased. But know? then, don't you want to? Don't you want to share that? With whom? With whomever you're taking a walk. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think I do that. Okay, but not with your mom. Mm, I don't remember an, an episode with my mom, or I don't. I don't even know how the way I could, I could um, share it. It's not something. It's very. I think it's a very um, atmospheric thing. You can see that people are enjoying or having a good time in a public space, and you don't have to tell them. Look, this is a calm. Not necessarily. No. It's I more mean, like you nudging, them, like, you know? Look at how beautiful this is. Yeah, and no, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. If you don't point at something, people will not notice. So that. you want me to be more activist? <laughs> no, we don't want anything. If you want, I can we try. Think that you put, I, I think, I don't know, <laughs> if you put so much time of your life into this, but it's a waste if you don't yeah. share that, right? It's nice. I will do that more then. Yeah. Yeah? In particular, with your um, closest circle. Yeah. I mean, start like pressing your friends, like, <laughs> you know, this is a beautiful square and yeah. it's public. Notice that because yeah. in some countries you don't have that. <laughs> I mean, this is nice. Is also with yeah. your students. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> okay. When the, when we're back, I will uh, take you for a public space ride. Go back to your family. What? In the sense that, uh, <laughs> I mean, because it's interesting. Uh, yeah. do, have you ever communicated your research to your parents? That is very how? difficult for me. It is, um, they, they, they understand, of course. It's, yeah. um, but um, it is very hard to explain all these conceptual concepts and notions that are based on uh, so many other sources that and you are saying this very tiny thing, and then they challenge you in explaining basic things that you don't even know you have to explain, and you have, you don't have the words for that anymore because it's like it's in your um, being already, or the jargon, and um, they don't speak English, so it's even more complicated. So what are you doing it for? other than keeping intact the system of yeah, people staying this. This is a very good point indeed. in academia. And so what is the question for that? Don't you want to see a practical result of your research? What I want to see, um, I, do, I do want to see a practical research, uh, yeah, a practical outcome uh, of, uh, of my research. But I also know that this research is 
still very partial. It's still a very little contribution then. I don't think it is. Don't be so is, humble. I mean, uh, you spent three it years. Is not so, it, it is not enough to see the change, but it's, it's a very good start, in my opinion. Yeah, but at some point, you have to start somewhere else. Because otherwise, you know, like, I understand that it's really hard to, you know, to give like a one fit for all um, recipe. And mm -hmm. if you're doing that most of the time, you fuck it up because mm -hmm. then you end up actually um, creating friction because mm -hmm. not all the situations are the same. But if you're not starting, yeah, nothing is going to change. But this is not the scholar's... Um task oh, okay. however scholars this this is why also uh your um endeavor in doing this podcast is interesting because you want to connect research and the real world at least this is how i have interpreted that so um i have to admit it is not always the case but the idea is that the research the results of our research then is taken into consideration by the, pe the people that are not scholars, but um, manager or planners or policymakers. So this is the general, this is why all the papers end up went with uh, policy implications. But do you think that someone actually reads that? Uh, yes. I mean, no, sorry, uh, outside of academia. No, 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 I got, I got it, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, yes, probably not enough. Probably it's also the academia's fault. And, uh, but it is certainly, there are certainly seven, several um, scholars that are more in touch with policymakers and that can, uh, that reach more with the, out there. Uh, what would it be, in your opinion, a way of putting more uh, your research? Into practice. Yeah, into practice. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is very difficult, especially in these matters in which um, everybody has a say and common sense plays a role and uh, everybody knows what a public space is, has, has an, knows what an experience of public space is. It is very difficult to also discuss these topics. If I were studying, I don't know, cells in the, in the blood, it would have been easier for me to uh, just, you know, hit you with my knowledge. And in this, in, this social, in social sciences, you discuss much more. You argue and you fight with it. So, what do you think about the conversation with Valeria? Well, I definitely learned a lot. Good. This is already something. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I learned something as well. Um, I learned that it's important um, to... I think that we should feel more accountable for our actions. Uh, and I learned that it's important to understand our responsibility in the public space. Um, yeah, and how it will benefit us as well. Absolutely. So if we are not only in the space, but also creating it constantly. And respecting it. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> like if you are in a park, for example, you're not throwing your things in it because that is a space that will impact also other people. Yeah, that's how you can negatively impact the space. But also, I like to see it the other way around. So how can you positively impact the space around you? So you can see if you're in a park, which I was last weekend, 
I was looking around myself and I was seeing all these different people from all walks of life. Like uh, also homeless people drinking beer, uh, hipsters with their nice bikes. Uh, uh, someone was working out. Nice girls. Well, maybe. Uh, so you see all these different kinds of people and they're all creating this space. Yeah, that is shared. And that is really, I felt it was really special. And I th it was definitely from a takeaway from w the talk we had with Valeria that I felt more aware of this and how we were all contributing to the socially produced space. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was also very cool when we implant a small seed, hopefully, in her mind about turning more research into practice. Yeah, I think she did it with us already. Yeah. And I really think it's feasible to do it also with more people, like her mom. <laughs> nice. It would be very nice to have a walk around Rotterdam with her mom and also us as students or <laughs> Yeah, but else. I think I think next time she will have a walk with her mom, she will already think about it. And it will be because of us. I hope so. Maybe. <laughs> Well, the next episode, then. Yeah. Who are we talking with? So next episode, we are talking with Shirley Newland. Mm -hmm. She's also a PhD at our department. She is focusing on sustainable tourism. And so, well, if you don't want to travel like a basic bitch, this is an hashtag. You should definitely tune in and listen to the new episode. So the last thing is, I guess, to thank you for listening. But also thank uh, all the mamas in the world. At least I think this episode once again proves their importance. <laughs> um, and we want to thank Hans Ferment for the music for this episode. Who is that guy? He's my brother. Nice. You have to keep it in the family. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much to Valeria. Of course. Amazing. Grazie mille. Grazie. Let us know what you think by leaving a comment or review about this episode wherever you are listening to the podcast. It will help us a lot. See you soon. See you soon. Ciao. Ciao.